Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. Our epistle lesson is from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 2, verses 15 through 21. Listen for the word of God. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by doing the works of the law, because no one will be justified by the works of the law. But if in our effort to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. But if I build up again the very things that I once tore down, Then I demonstrate that I am a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. The word of the the Lord. Thanks be to God. There is never a shortage of examples of how divided we human beings are. There's more evidence of that now than ever. There is, of course, the most extreme case of Russia waging war on Ukraine. But in addition to that, we are well aware of the ongoing divisions in our own country culture wars that are inevitably also political battles. People thinking they are called to overturn an election and even overthrow the government. States passing laws against LGBTQ and transgender rights, even labeling parents who support their transgender children as child abusers or the ongoing abortion divide that we are so careful not to talk about in the church, with some states making it all but impossible for women to access abortions, which is a matter of health care. And even saying that, I know, is divisive. We've been divided along racial ethnic lines for centuries, And we have a long way to go before that division is equitably healed. 
We've seen that division play out in the past two weeks with the refugee situation. Those with black or brown skin fleeing Ukraine have not received the same welcome as those with white skin and have had a harder time getting out of the country. Welcoming, providing for, making room for those fleeing from war is absolutely the right thing to do. But the current situation makes the double standard crystal clear because it's also the right thing to do when those fleeing war, violence, oppression, and starvation are from Syria or Afghanistan or African countries or Central or South America. We've not shown the same welcome and empathy towards them. We've seen deep divisions over how we respond to the pandemic, and that continues with those still unwilling to be vaccinated, those who feel we are relaxing our precautions too soon, and those who feel we should have done it a long time ago. Into our deeply divided nation and world comes Galatians, and Paul's insistence that in Christ, through God's grace, those divisions are no more. We are all on equal footing before God. We are all welcome to the same table. No one is more entitled or better than anyone else. No one is more righteous than anyone else. We don't prove ourselves worthy by how well we follow the rules or by how many good works we do or by our status or reputation or wealth or any other measure human beings use to assess worthiness. Paul says a person is justified, made right with God, not by any works of the law, not by anything you do or refrain from doing, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Or, probably a more accurate translation, is through the faith of Jesus Christ. Not through the measure of our faith, but through the faith of Jesus, who loved us so much, he went all the way to the cross for us. To fully understand today's passage, we have to go back and start at verse 11. Paul there is recounting his conflict with Cephas, Peter, and the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. In Galatians, Paul is specifically addressing the division that was growing between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. Did the Gentile Christians have to become Jews? Did the men have to be circumcised? And did they all have to follow the Jewish dietary laws? These outward signs of the faith were critically important to Jewish identity. For the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, faced with growing Jewish nationalism in the first century, that answer was yes. But Paul knew the faithful answer was no. Gentiles did not have to become Jewish to be full members of the body of Christ. Remember in Acts that God appeared to Peter, telling him to carry the gospel to the Gentiles? 
Even with the vision of the sheet coming down and all those animals he was not supposed to eat. And God's saying, break those rules. Eat. Paul's entire focus of his ministry was to the Gentiles. But now Peter seems to have capitulated to James and the Jewish Christians centered in Jerusalem. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul says that he opposed Peter when they met in Antioch because he had been eating with Gentiles until James came from Jerusalem. Then Peter withdrew from that inclusive table fellowship because, as Paul says, he was afraid of the circumcision faction. And the other Jewish followers of Christ in Antioch joined Peter. So now you had two communities with the implication that the Jewish followers of Christ were superior to the Gentiles. As one commentator wrote, the question of the day was whether there would be one church or two separate but equal churches. And we all know how separate but equal works. It doesn't. Paul calls it like it is. He says, this is hypocrisy. You cannot compel the Gentiles to live like Jews. None of us are justified by the works of the law, but through Jesus Christ. And this is the first thing that's challenging about grace. It is inclusive. And as much as we want to think otherwise, being inclusive doesn't seem to come naturally to us. There is some innate need to feel better than others, part of the in-crowd, superior, more worthy. Those in power have manipulated this need for centuries to keep people divided. It is one reason racism is so deeply entrenched in our systems. Those with power have been able to keep those who are poor regardless of skin color or ethnicity, divided by making those with white skin feel like they are superior to those who are black. Essentially saying to them, you may be poor, but at least you're white. Just look at how this continues to play out today in white supremacy marches, in anti-immigrant sentiment, where the flames of fear are fanned by those in power saying they're going to take your jobs, when in fact we have a severe labor shortage. This manipulation continues to be played out in banning books, in limiting how history can be taught. Paul was determined that the early church was not going to be divided along ethnic lines. They would not be two churches. Christ had made them one and invited them all to the same table. The other challenging thing about grace is that there's absolutely nothing we can do to earn it. Yes, this is ultimately good news. But I don't know if most of us are comfortable with it. The individualism of our society says that we need to earn what we have, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. The temptation of self-righteousness is strong. Our faith may tell us that our works don't save us, 
We are made right with God through the love of Jesus Christ, period. But we have a really hard time believing that. Surely our works count for something. Surely the fact that I have lived a good, respectable life and followed the rules counts as something. As Charles Cusar writes in his commentary on Galatians, in effect, salvation by works is an insidious form of idolatry. Its exponents refuse to acknowledge God as the true source of life, but instead turn themselves into gods, dispensers of salvation. Nothing we do or can do justifies us, makes us right with God. Only Christ does that. It's not easy to set aside our striving, our self-righteousness, our need to be in control and accept God's grace. But that grace is what sets us free, free to live lives of faith, free to truly respond to God's love, to live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, as Paul writes. The love of Christ makes us right with God, and that gift of grace that we are no better or worse than anyone else. That gift of grace means that we are no better or worse than anyone else, no matter how different they may be from us. Our Gospel reading from Luke gives us a perfect illustration of this struggle that Paul is addressing. Luke's community would have been facing the same issue. How do those who have been the upholders of the faith for centuries, millennia even, now integrate with those who are other, with Gentiles, with sinners? Jesus is invited to a banquet at the Pharisee Simon's house. A woman who is a known sinner comes in as they are reclining at the table and exhibits extravagant, outrageous behavior. She bathes Jesus' feet with her tears, dries them with her hair, kisses his feet, and anoints them with expensive ointment. The Pharisee's eyes must have been popping out of his head. He doesn't voice his shock out loud, but Jesus apparently can read his thoughts. Simon says to himself, if this man is really a prophet, he would know who she is and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus shows that he is indeed a prophet and more because he knows exactly what Simon has just said to himself. Simon, I have something to say to you, he says. Then he tells this short parable about two debtors, one who owed 500 denarii and one who owed 50. Both debts were canceled. Which one is going to be more grateful, Jesus asks. And Simon correctly answers the one with the greater debt. Then Jesus turns to the woman and reveals that Simon has not shown the hospitality he owed his guest. You gave me no water for my feet. You gave me no welcoming kiss on the cheek. 
but she has shown extravagant hospitality and gratitude, bathing my feet with her tears, kissing them and anointing them. She has been forgiven and has shown great love. The story is left unfinished. Jesus assures the woman, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you, go in peace. But we don't know how Simon responds. We know the other guests wonder who Jesus is, that he can forgive sins. But we don't know what Simon thinks or does. Faith here means trust. Faith is not a work. If we just believe enough, we can save ourselves. That's not what Jesus means. This woman trusted in Jesus' forgiveness. She's already experienced it or she wouldn't be there. Others might not forgive her. The Pharisee might not forgive her, but Jesus did. This outsider, this sinner, responds to Jesus with a far deeper faith and love than the Pharisee, who has lived an upstanding righteous life. She gets it. She understands grace. Simon does not. Do we get it? Do we really accept what Paul is saying here? That there is absolutely nothing we can do to earn God's love and grace? And that there is absolutely nothing that makes us better or more worthy to be at this table than anyone else? Does that grace mean that we are free then to do whatever we want? No. As Paul says, if we truly know that grace, we live our lives in response to it. He writes, it's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. Grace is freely given, but it is not cheap, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer taught us. It transforms our lives. We don't earn it, but it makes demands on how we live in this world. The challenge of grace means that we are not in control and that everyone is welcome at the table. The blessing of grace is the same thing. We are not in control and everyone is welcome at the table. May God help us to embody this grace, trusting in Christ to live in and through us, welcoming others as Christ welcomes us. Amen. <laughs>